Amen. Hey, when I heard about the parking charges, I thought that's another confirmation that we need our own building now. So let's pray as we get into the year that God would open some doors for us. Amen. Free parking on a Sunday. Okay, let me put on the first verse that I want to share with us this morning. As you know, last, by the mid of last year, I was praying about this year. Lord, what, what do you want us to focus on in 2020? It's a significant year. It's an important year. And very clearly in my spirit, the, Holy, the Lord said, we need to get a, a fresh revelation of the kingdom of God. It's not a new revelation. We all know what it is, but sometimes we can, over the years in our journey as Christians, you know, miss a few things. It goes under the radar. And I want us to, by the end of this year, Understand that we are kingdom people. We're kingdom people. And what it is to be kingdom people, it's, it's amazing when we begin to realize who we are as kingdom people. And I'm going to share a little bit as we go through the year about what it is, kingdom lifestyle and, you know, kingdom economy, kingdom finances, kingdom authority. There's so much that God has given us as kingdom people. And there's never been a time in history like this when the church of God, the kingdom of God needs to shine its light Because there is a great need outside for the kingdom of God. (laughs) Amen. And so I pray as we share this. Today is going to be foundation. This is going to introduce the kingdom. Very simple. But I pray for some of us it will be a fresh revelation of what this kingdom is all about. As kingdom citizens. Who we are. And things like that. And so, question for us, part one. I'm going to do a 10 a 10-session series on this, not, not back-to-back, one a month. Are we kingdom people? That's a, a good question to ask us. Like when we did the series on being a disciple of Jesus, we needed to paint a picture of what actually a disciple looks like. Because we could all have our own pictures of what a disciple looks like, but the Bible tells us what a disciple of Jesus needs to look like. It's always nice to have a picture. And so the question we're going to ask ourselves today is, are we really kingdom people? And the verse that I want to start off with is one that I shared very recently, three months ago, Matthew 13, 44, to get us off the ground. And mind you, Jesus spoke a lot about the kingdom. Jesus spoke a lot about fruit. Jesus spoke a lot about hell. And Jesus spoke a lot about the kingdom. In fact, it comes somewhere in my notes. But the New Testament, they say records references to the kingdom more than 162 times that's how important the kingdom is and therefore this verse says Jesus is putting a little definition to the kingdom of God in Matthew 13 44 he says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field and I've shared this verse before treasure just take a moment and just reflect on that word treasure I don't know what, what, what memories it brings back to you. But as a young child, we would get excited every time we heard the word treasure. I mean, when I play, you know, with my kids, I tell them, listen, if you find this thing, it's hidden somewhere in the house. At the end of that, there's a treasure. And suddenly you can see their faces light up because they want to find that treasure. And sometimes we can get so immune or we can get so familiar with terminology and, and concepts that Jesus brings to us that we need to remind ourselves about the excitement that is linked to the word treasure. It's a big deal. It's a treasure. It's something that's not everyday. It's not regular. It's something that's one in a million, one in a billion. And he says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and he bought that field. He finally found what he was looking for. Perhaps he didn't even know he was looking for it till he found it. And he said, this is what I need for the rest of my life. And that's exactly what the kingdom of God is. Once you really have a revelation of the kingdom, you realize nothing else can come close to the kingdom of God. And if we have lost the excitement of what it means to be a kingdom person, what it means to be part of the kingdom, I pray this series will allow us to bring that excitement back again in our spirits, that I am part of the kingdom, that I'm like this man, I'm willing to lose everything that I have because I know the kingdom cannot come close.
to anything else put together in this life and the life beyond. Let me run through a few passages of scripture. John the Baptist, he began even before Jesus came to make reference of the kingdom. And I'm going to run through a few verses. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He didn't say there's a person. He said that later on. But his his key message was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, is about to come to you. Then Jesus, and I'm fast forwarding. I almost wanted to read the 162 verses because they were all so precious. And I thought, wow, how can I just condense it? Every one of them is so important, but I picked a few. So Mark 1 verses 14 and 15. It says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And verse 15, this is what he says. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom, so John the Baptist says, listen, the kingdom of God is coming. Jesus comes on the scene after John the Baptist and says, the kingdom of God is coming. They're all making reference to a concept, to a term that we're going to talk about this morning. The kingdom of God. Luke 4.43. But he said, I must proclaim, this is Jesus saying, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. Because that is why I was sent. Hey, why was Jesus sent to bring the good news of the kingdom of God? How many of us have a thought in our minds, if Jesus came to bring the good news of the kingdom of God, what is this kingdom he was referring to? What is it all about? Luke 12, 32, I love this one. So don't be afraid, little flock. For it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. So he's not just talking a few things. I want to give you happiness. I want to give you. He's summarizing everything by saying, I want to give you. The father wants to give you the kingdom. And I tell you, if we get a revelation of what the kingdom is and begin to operate within the kingdom, our life will never be the same again. Let's move on. Luke 9, 2. And he's, now this is. So John the Baptist, Jesus, now Jesus sending the disciples out. Look at what he does. Luke 9 2. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. Another, the, the term is, is used again. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. Acts 1 3. Now they talk about Jesus after, after he died and rose again. Uh, after his suffering, He presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Once again, he came to reveal the kingdom. He came to speak. And even after he was, he died, he was buried, he rose again. He comes back to them and it says he was talking to them over those 40 days about the kingdom of God. And one verse that I had to throw in, a last one before we move on. Matthew 24, 14. Jesus says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. How significant. What is preventing the end from coming is the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. That's why I put down there. It's all about the kingdom. If we simply keep using the word kingdom, 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 perhaps at some point in time, there'll come a revelation in our spirits that there's something about the kingdom of God. He says, until the gospel of the kingdom of God is not preached, till then the end will not come. And when it is preached, that's when the end will come. So, For those of you who might wonder sitting here this morning, so where did this whole concept of the kingdom of God arise? Let me take a little snippet so that everyone's included. You're not lost as we move further. I call it the tale of two kingdoms. The tale of two kingdoms. If I have to make a a statement today, actually there are only two kingdoms that exist. I see originally it was one kingdom. God, who reigned over all. He created the heavens and the earth. He created the 
the angels, but however one angel called Lucifer, if you know the story, decided that he wanted to reign rather than just letting God reign. And he, as you know, challenged God with one third of the angels. He was kicked out of heaven because of his rebellion. But he set up his own kingdom that we talk and we refer to as the kingdom of darkness. So there's the kingdom of light, which is the kingdom of God. And there is the kingdom of darkness. That is the kingdom that belongs to Lucifer, who we now call Satan. And his sole purpose is to contend with God and to contend with everything that belongs to God. That's his sole purpose. He's anti-God, anti-Christ. That's the whole purpose of Satan. Anti-God and everything that's belonging to God. So if you are a child of God, he's anti-you. That means the kingdom of darkness is going to come after you. Why? Because we are people of the kingdom of light. And so there's a battle going on between the two kingdoms. Now I want you to know there are these, just these two kingdoms. Everything that seems having authority is a subset of these two kingdoms. Because again, I don't have time. Authority can come only by delegation. And so if God delegates authority, it's a godly authority. But the devil also delegates authority. And that's why a few things that it's important to know. I put down the difference between the two kingdoms. And we'll come to that in a moment. What's the difference between these two kingdoms? Satan is ultimately in control of the kingdom of darkness. Satan is in control. And in the kingdom of light, God is in control. It's important to know the Bible says the world is under the control of Satan. Aha. The world is under the control of Satan. I'll read a few verses now. 1 John 5, 19. It says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. If you didn't have that revelation before, there's a fresh revelation. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. Let me read another one. Ephesians 2 verses 1 and 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. The ways of this world. So we're not talking about the people of the world. We're talking about the philosophy of the world. The ways of the world. The mindset of the world. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And again, I only picked two verses, but there are many verses that says, and I, I remember a song. How many of you remember Ron Kennelly? Many, many, many years ago. One of the first worship albums that we kind of got exposed to in India, where there was, you know, a lot of creativity thrown into the album. Ron Kennelly, Lift Him Up was the name of the album. And in that he sang a song, but he made a comment over there that stuck into my spirit. And I, I, I held on to that forever, after that forever. He says, there's no demilitarized zone. There's either God's side or the devil's side. There's no neutral demilitarized zone. You're either on the Lord's side or either on the devil's side. Not that you've intentionally chosen to be on the devil's side, but you're either in God's kingdom or you're under the devil's rule. And so the whole world is under the devil's rule. And people may say, how did that happen? It happened when Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden decided to obey, decided to choose the devil's philosophy and the dominion that they had over the earth, they handed it over to Satan. And I'll again give you a verse over there. Luke 4, 5. How many of you remember the, te the testing, the, the trial of Jesus where, where the enemy tempted him? Now this is a key verse, Luke chapter 4, verse 5. I put it over there. Now this is where the devil is tempting Jesus and it says the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. So in an instant the devil showed Jesus all the kingdoms. Again the word kingdom is over there. All the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him in verse 6, I will give you all authority and splendor. It has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Does that make sense? 
as to why the devil makes people succeed sometimes in the world. Because he has authority. He has control over the world. So we need to understand this morning there are two kingdoms. Kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. The kingdom of darkness is controlled by the devil. The world, the philosophies of the world are controlled and he's very subtle. He doesn't say, I'm Satan from today, this is going to happen on planet earth. No, he uses authorities, kingdoms, powers to bring in his philosophy. And if we are not careful, we may be sucked in to the devil's philosophy and not realize God has his own set philosophy. His kingdom has its own unique identity. And we need to understand that. That's why I'm taking time this morning to explaining things to us that there are two kingdoms operating. Ultimately, it's only these two. Everything else is a subset of these two kingdoms. Wow. Think about it. Let it settle in. So all the kingdoms of the world are controlled by the kingdom of darkness. Another thing, the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the enemy. John 10.10 tells us the purpose of the devil. Jesus said in John 10.10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So ultimately, the kingdom of darkness brings death. If I have to use one word, death. Death. And I mentioned this when I spoke last time. You know, when, when you talk of holiness, it's not, it's not that God is, a, is someone who wants to kill joy. The devil doesn't say that, but sin ultimately destroys us. It may seem very enjoyable in the moment of time, but the devil sugarcoats sin and makes it so pleasurable, but in the end, it only destroys. And why God is saying, don't do this, don't do that, he, because he pro- wants to protect us, not because he wants to make us unhappy. He knows what's right for us. Therefore, he prescribes a lifestyle. He prescribes a way of doing things. And he says, not only am I prescribing it, but I'm here to help you with it as well. But the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why ultimately, anyone pursuing the devil's kingdom, knowingly, unknowingly, will have death. Ultimately, we know eternal death. Separation forever and ever and ever from God. Well, as the kingdom of God is life, I have come that you may have life. Contrast between the two kingdoms. Life in all its abundance. And we know that God is a loving father who gives good things to his children. Another slide to tell us the difference between the two kingdoms. The devil's kingdom, temporary benefits. I put it actually there. Sin ultimately destroys. And there's no provision for life after the grave. In fact, it's eternal destruction. Well, as, hey, look. I I had no space because of the slide. I had to limit it to the benefits of the kingdom. But there's immense benefits of being part of the kingdom of God. There's kingdom protection. We can give a story after story after story of how the enemy came to steal, kill and destroy. But the divine protection of God supernaturally protected. There There was a time we were threatened. Threatened to going back to a certain place. This is back home in India. And they told us, if you come back next week, we're going to kill you. Because we were running a meeting in a certain place there. There were about 25 men there. They didn't didn't do anything that day. They just came to tell us at the end of the meeting, if you come back the next week, we'll kill you. You won't go back alive. I may have shared this story with you. Of course, we had to pray because we don't want to do things in the flesh and with zeal. So he said, Lord, do we go back or do you want us to hold back? Because at times he says, hold back. But in that case, he said, now I want you to go back next week. So we went back the next week. And of course, we were a bit, you know, uh, 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 we were aware of, trying to be aware of what's happening around us. Are they hiding somewhere? You know, are they waiting till the meeting ended? So meeting ended. Again, we were walking out and there was no one there. What's going on? This is very strange. So we made some inquiries that week. And 
the, the guy who headed up that group of 25 who, who was sent to threaten us, he met with a serious accident two days after he threatened us. And he was in a coma for about three months, I think. Not that we are saying God would do that, but listen, there's divine protection. And I can tell you story after story after story after story. Sometimes God allows us to go through challenges. Listen, we've got to throw that in. There's a balance. He allows us to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes people are martyred for the sake of the gospel. God knows why he's allowing certain things to happen. But having said that, we are, we are given divine protection that no human service can provide but God alone. God alone. Divine protection. Part of the kingdom benefit. Kingdom provision. Oh, don't get me started on this one. Seek first. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Divine. And these are all supernatural things. Supernatural protection. Supernatural provision. How many of you want to enjoy supernatural things happening? Hey, kingdom. We're getting excited about the kingdom we belong to. But I'm coming to a bit in the end as to we need to get a revelation of what this kingdom is in order to enjoy the benefits of this kingdom. But it's there for the taking. Kingdom favor, kingdom power, kingdom authority. And we're going to cover all these things over the 10 sessions that I'm going to be doing. What is kingdom power and authority? How do we stand in our authority? These are things that are there if we are part of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. You'll, see, you'll realize later, I'm going to say, so it's not just about attending church on a Sunday morning. Kingdom is bigger than that. There's something more that God wants us to be part of than a set of do's and don'ts, than a set of attend church on a Sunday morning and think that's it. Listen, there's an engagement that he's looking to for the kingdom. That will change my life forever. Kingdom authority. Kingdom power. You can speak to mountains. And they will jump into the sea. Kingdom power. Kingdom authority. Kingdom purpose. Kingdom destiny. Kingdom identity. Hey, I struggled with identity for many, 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 many years. Till finally I found I was a child of God. And I was comfortable in who he made me to be. I hated looking at myself in the mirror because I hated everything about myself till I found kingdom identity. I, I, could, I, could, I could say that for the first time in my life, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I could never utter that verse because I hated everything about myself till he put in me kingdom identity. Chris, you are my child and you're the best thing on planet earth. In my eyes. Thank you Lord. I could accept myself. I'm fearfully. Wonderfully. Fearfully it means. The word is awe. There's an awe about God's creation. Romans 14, 17 again uses the term. Righteousness, peace and joy. That is the kingdom of God. It's not eating and drinking. But righteousness, peace and joy. Listen. I don't know how many people I've met in my lifetime saying, I want peace. One of them was myself. I met myself asking for peace. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom. In fact, that's what one of Ron Kennelly's song as well. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Remember that? There you go. And of course, listen, the icing on the cake. Eternal life. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Listen, if you're sitting here today and you've never really understood the concept of the kingdom of God, if you've never really become part of the kingdom, I want to encourage you today. There's only one kingdom that can offer eternal life and it's the kingdom of God. No other kingdom can offer eternal life. They all offer eternal destruction. But the kingdom of God, in addition to all the fantastic benefits, offers us one thing that puts every other benefit 
to the side. Even if we didn't have anything else, because compared to eternity, I always say 80, 90, 100 years on planet Earth is like a small little dot compared for eternity forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Eternal. This kingdom offers eternal life. Wow. I can put my head down in the night, whatever, however difficult the day may have been, however challenging the next day looks, I can put my head down in, on my bed at night and still smile because I've got eternity. Because everything in this world is going to be left behind one day. If there's one thing that I can take with me, is my eternal life. And so this kingdom offers that. And last, the difference between the two, and I said, one is not forever. Because the Bible says, one day, every knee will bow. So it may seem like both these kingdoms are in conflict. So when is it ever going to end? Is the devil going to keep having his reign? No, he's just got a short period of time. One day, it says, every knee will bow. This, in this dispensation, people have an opportunity to choose. One day, it will be too late. Because not only will they lose everything, but they will still have to acknowledge Jesus as Lord of all. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. Of course, if you look at Old Testament prophecies, it says the Messiah, the, the, the the son of David, his, his throne will live on for all eternity. Prophetic uh, confirmation of, of Jesus, his throne. It will rule and reign for all eternity. Till then, both kingdoms are at war. That's why at times you wonder, why, why is it that I'm being attacked? Why, is, why are things going wrong? Because the, the two kingdoms are in conflict. And I said the whole purpose of the kingdom of darkness is to come against anything of God. And anything that belongs to God. To steal, kill and destroy. So we have. I like this verse. Revelation 11.15. Beautiful verse. This is talking about the end times. It says then the seventh angel sounded. And there were loud voices in heaven saying. The kingdoms of this world. See the word again. Kingdoms. The kingdoms of this world. Have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign Forever and ever. One day there will be the fulfillment back to one kingdom that was all, always there. So it started with one kingdom. One of the archangels, powerful archangels, decided to set up his own kingdom. Still at war today with the kingdom of light. But one day that kingdom will fall. And all the other kingdoms that are under that kingdom of darkness will have to fall at the feet of Jesus and say this kingdom is the only kingdom that lives and rules and reigns for all eternity. And that's when it says in Revelation, maybe we need to do a series on Revelation at some point. Satan and all who are under his kingdom will be thrown into the lake of fire. So the question we need to ask ourselves If the kingdom of God is so important, if Jesus came to establish the kingdom, if there are two kingdoms and there's no demilitarized zone, there's no neutral kingdom, there's no kingdom where you can say, I can have one leg here and one leg here. There's only two kingdoms. Which kingdom do we belong to? That's the question. Which kingdom do we belong to? I want to be part of the kingdom of light. There's no, there's no comparison. There's no, no, I need two days to think about it. It's clear that I want to be part of the kingdom of light, God's kingdom. So how do we become part of God's kingdom? Amen. We get to choose only one kingdom. That's a big statement I'm making this morning. Because sometimes we can go through life not realizing we can only choose one kingdom. We can only choose one kingdom. There's no way we can be part of both kingdoms. 
in reality. It may seem like we've subscribed to iPhone as well as to Samsung. But in this equation, you've got to be one. Can't have both. Either God's rule or Satan's rule. And it's a matter of choice. If you remember, I made mention when Adam and Eve made a choice of whose philosophy, whose direction, whose lifestyle, whose instruction they chose to follow, that determined which kingdom they belong to. Does that make sense? Their choice of what they subscribe to determined which kingdom they ultimately came under, whose rule they came under. Even till today, it's a matter of choice. Choice as to which philosophy I choose to believe. Is it God's philosophy or the world's philosophy? And when I talk of the world again, I'm not talking of individuals. We're talking of the worldview. They talk of the, the, the philosophy of the world, the, the, the mindset of the world. And of course, we'll do this as we go along. Where even at one point, the Bible says, love, for, uh, love of the world is enmity towards God. So it's not talking about love of the people of the world. Love the, the patterns of the world. The way the world does things. It, it says that's how contrasting the two kingdoms are. That if you love the philosophy of the world, you're an enemy of God. Wow! Anyone read that verse before? We're going to do that as we go along. Because the time has come for the kingdom of God to be clear of our identity. Sometimes we think we've got to blend in and try and be two things at the same time. The Bible is very clear. You can only choose one kingdom. One kingdom. One kingdom. And so is it God? Or the devil? Is it God's view or the world view? And so I put down one statement. How do I become part of the kingdom? When I acknowledge the king, because the kingdom has a king. When I acknowledge the king and choose to follow him and his kingdom's protocol. How many of you know that every kingdom has its rules? If I, when I came to Britain the first time, I had an Indian passport, so I was an Indian. But before I became British, I needed to subscribe to the British way of doing things. And that's right. I can't say, oh, I, I, I want the British passport, but I'm going to do things like we did in India. That doesn't make sense. Because the laws are different. The laws in this land are different from the laws back there. And so for any kingdom, it's understood that there's a kingdom protocol. I can't say I'm a child of God, but this is, I'm going to do things my way because I think that's the right way of doing it. Listen, that doesn't work. We can fool ourselves thinking that's, that's a, a, okay, but that doesn't mean I'm part of the kingdom. Hey, you with me this morning? That's why I'm going to read a verse where it says, all those who say, Lord, Lord, will not be saved or enter the kingdom. That's what he says, won't enter the kingdom. Doesn't mean because I sing all the fantastic songs and I attend church on a Sunday morning and, and pr- try to be a good person. No, I need to choose the king. I need to choose to follow him and I need to choose to follow his kingdom's protocol. With me this morning. That means I've got to replace my way of life with the kingdom way of life. How? I lived my life in a certain way. Now, because I'm subscribing to being part of the kingdom, I need to understand what's the kingdom way of life. I can't just carry on like I always lived my life and think, yeah, I'm part of the kingdom now. Let's sing a few songs. No, no, no. It means I've got to choose to subscribe to a way of life that's kingdom. Now, we're not talking of getting it right all the time because we'll make mistakes. We'll fall. But we are aiming our philosophy. My mindset is this is 
God's way. This is God's pattern. And this is how I want to conduct my life based on God's pattern. Not what the world says is okay, but what His kingdom. So I replace my replace. In fact, when I was first putting the notes down, I actually used the word adjust. And then as I was going through my notes again, somehow I felt convicted. I don't adjust my life. I replace it. That's the true following of kingdom. And so I had to go through all my points and replace, adjust to replace. Adjust, I do, a lot of times we can adjust our life, and I think that was a prophetic thing that happened. We try to adjust to just get by, but God is saying it's not about adjusting, it's about replacing. That's why this morning the question is, are we really kingdom people? We can say we are kingdom people, but it may be we are kingdom people in our eyes. But in God's eyes, he's saying this is how it should look like. This is how it should look like. Replace my way of life with the kingdom way of life. Replace my priorities with kingdom priorities. Replace my mindset and my value system with kingdom mindset and value system. Replace my identity with kingdom identity. Replace my goals and purposes with kingdom goals and purposes and operate with the kingdom perspective. That's when I am a kingdom person. Hallelujah. Kingdom. Kingdom. You still love me this morning? Hey, listen. I'm excited about 2020 and I'm excited because God is raising the profile of His people again in a brand new way. And all he's saying, listen, shake off the stuff that you've allowed to come in because I've got great things ahead of you. And if you realize you're part of a mighty kingdom, you represent the kingdom of God. Don't be afraid because there's divine protection. There's divine provision. There's divine favor. There's divine everything, authority. Listen, but in order for me to have the resource of the kingdom, I need to Renew my mind to understanding what kingdom means. What does it mean to follow the kingdom? Because Jesus said, I've come to bring the kingdom. I didn't come to create a ritual. I've come that you may cut off, draw a line in the sand. That's why he told those disciples, come follow me. That is what it means to be part of the kingdom. That means they were willing to leave the nets, leave the boat, leave the father, leave everything, leave their livelihood, if, if, if it meant that way. But it was a symbolic sign of, are you willing to put everything aside and come for a brand new entry into a brand new world, into a brand new kingdom? Just that it may not be seen with, with natural eyes. Spiritual kingdom. Spiritual kingdom. And therefore, there's two verses. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Kingdom. Again, Jesus is using the same phrase, the same term, again and again and again and again. And that's why he promises again, just to confirm, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom. And the definition is above there. Choosing the king, following kingdom protocol, choosing his lifestyle. All these things will be given to you as well. Wow. Wow. Suddenly the resource of the kingdom is made available. Because we are choosing Kingdom. I'm going to end with the verse we started off with. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, I think he immediately put a value to that kingdom. I mentioned this the last time. He put a value to this kingdom. What is the value we're attaching to the kingdom? What's the value? And, and, and I mentioned when we were talking about this verse three months ago, 
we begin to attach value to the kingdom based on the value we attach to our souls. If I value my soul, I'll immediately realize the value of the kingdom. You with me? And the devil doesn't allow us to think about our souls. That's why he just, you know, when we were not followers of Christ, life just went on. We never bothered about our souls. It was about survival. Tomorrow, what do I do for tomorrow? How do I get by this year? And he allows our lives to be so clouded with challenges, with other priorities of our everyday sustenance that we forget to realize there's a bigger picture of life after we finish our time here on earth. And when we begin to put a value on our soul, then we'll put a value to the kingdom because it's only the kingdom of God that can give us eternal life. New life, abundant life, and eternal life. This man was willing to exchange all he had for what the kingdom had. Replace. He, if you think about the story, he couldn't have both. He couldn't have both. He couldn't have the treasure in the field or he couldn't have what he already had. In order to get the treasure in the field, he had to give up what he had. And this is Jesus giving the parable. It's not, a, uh, uh, you know, it's not anybody else. Jesus himself saying, this is what the kingdom is. A treasure that you discover. You begin to put a value on that treasure. And when you put a value on that treasure and realize, this is what I need. You're willing then to leave everything else, lose everything else. Because you know, this is the only treasure that will sustain me for the rest of my life. The value of the treasure. That's why our will, our lifestyle, our way of thinking, we can put aside and say, Lord, not my will, yours be done. Because I know you'll look after me. You'll take care of me. You'll provide for me. You'll protect me. You'll go before me. This morning afresh, the invitation of Jesus, come Follow me. Not just to attend church. Not just to tick a few boxes. But is my life kingdom? Because that's what he invited us to. Are you completely sold out to my kingdom? That's the difference. Not attending church taking me to heaven. Sold out to kingdom. Sold out to the king. Sold out to the king's purposes. Sold out to the king's philosophy. Sold out to the king's priorities. Sold out to what do you want? What do you want? I think that's, if it boils down to one question that we ask the king, what do you want? Because a lot of times we can evade that question. We can do everything right, but because we know when we ask that question, we do not know what he may answer with. But true kingdom is when we are willing to come to a point and say, what do you want? And then, even before he says what he wants, we come to a place where we say, whatever you want, I'm ready to give you. Because you are my king. I'm not doing this for Chris or the church leaders or uh, an institution. I'm doing this because of the king of whose kingdom I belong to. And that's why seek first the kingdom of God. Guys, we want to have great blessings in 2020. This is a secret. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added. In fact, if you know the story when this verse was written, how many of you know that beautiful passage where Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about what you're going to eat. Do not worry about what you're going to wear. Do not worry about what you're going to put on your feet because my heavenly Father knows what you need, what you, what you want. He says, more than the birds of the air, He will look after you. More than... Solomon being clothed, he will clothe you. But that's when he puts that verse. Seek first. In context of not worrying about tomorrow. Seek 
first. In other words, in my heart, you are my king. I bow before you. You're my king. I'm not part of the kingdom that Satan is the king of. Because I said there's only two kingdoms. You are my king. My life is at your service. That's why this last verse, as I said, Philippians 3.20. Paul says, but we are citizens of heaven. Wow. It's kind of, this is like the summary for today. We are citizens of heaven. How many of you know what citizenship means? It's a big deal. I knew what citizenship means when I was transitioning my citizenship. It's a big deal. It was a big deal. I had to realize what I was going to give up, what I was going to lose, what I was getting into, what was the cost involved in citizenship. It, it, it meant a lot. that We had to pass a test, in fact. We had to pass a test. We had to know history, geography, that I think most people wouldn't know anyway. We had to learn everything. But they were so serious about us knowing what we were coming into and then choosing after knowing the price that it involved, are you willing to give up to gain? We are citizens or we can choose to be citizens of heaven. And our first citizenship is heaven. If we are true kingdom people, that is why then if there's any other rule, reign that contradicts the citizenship or the rule and reign of our highest citizenship, we choose the highest one. That's why, whether I'm Indian or British or whatever, if there's a law that comes that prevents me from obeying my citizen's law, my, my, my king's law, I will choose my king's law. Throw me in prison, doesn't matter. Because you can't give me eternal life. He can open the prison doors and get me out. Because he's done it in the past. Because my kingdom that I belong to firstly is bigger than any other kingdom on planet earth in the universe. Guys, if we live with the revelation of the kingdom, you won't live in fear of what the world can do to you, what the enemy can do to you. Because my God shall supply all my needs. My God shall protect me. My God will not let a hair from my head fall without my knowledge. His law is above all laws. This morning, come follow me. Let's rise up. Let's bow our heads. Just take a moment as we just reflect. Today was simply a foundation. We are part of a kingdom. We are part of one of only two kingdoms. And one day, every other kingdom will bow down to this kingdom. Wow, what a privilege. What a privilege. It humbles us. Humbles us. We who are nothing can now be part of this great, wonderful kingdom. And it's available to everybody, anyone who wants to come and become part of this kingdom. And that's the good news Jesus said that must be preached before the end comes. And listen guys, there is a kingdom and there's only two kingdoms. But there's only one out of the two that can give eternal life and will outlive every other kingdom. And so Lord, give us a revelation that we are kingdom people. Our citizenship is in heaven, of heaven. And as we unpackage through the year, kingdom power, kingdom authority, kingdom speech, kingdom declaration, kingdom lifestyle, kingdom finances, kingdom health and well-being kingdom peace for our minds kingdom 
mandate we would grow into our citizenship more and more and more and more we wouldn't be like the first day we were citizens still finding our feet getting to know searching we'll be equipped knowing what applies where knowing our rights in the kingdom of light knowing when we can speak when we hold back the holy spirit is a key part of the kingdom how do we work with the holy spirit how do we live our lives based on the leading of the holy spirit thank you lord thank you this morning as we hear we are such privileged and blessed people i pray lord you would if we need to just shake a little bit off us we would do that and begin now to operate with a kingdom mindset not just once or twice a year every single day when we get up in the morning we will remember we are kingdom citizens we're ambassadors of the real kingdom the one of the two kingdoms when we go to bed at night we let put our heads down knowing we are citizens of only one of two kingdoms let us conduct our lives every single day knowing we are representatives ambassadors of one of two kingdoms we thank you lord for the blessings that are involved with being part of your kingdom i pray for my brothers and sisters we would grow into that revelation more and more and more but more than anything this morning we are grateful thank you thank you for opening our eyes more than anything else we have eternity let's take a song as we reflect in close service in the moment